I want you to tell us exactly what is actually going on here. You ready for the first one? Yes, I am. <laughs> Three, two, one, and we are live. We are. So, Stuart. Nicholas. Very excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Like, I'm serious. Like, I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm a big fan. I just wanted to let you know that. Thank you very much. And me too. Yeah. Very, very big fan of yours. It has taken a bit of time to get this together. We yes. finally got it together. We finally got it together. Fantastic. Yes. yes. Very exciting. So, quick question, right? Yes. Were you always bald? <laughs> I've actually been bald for longer than I wasn't bald. Oh, really? Because I, I went backpacking a lot in my 20s. Right. And I think the second or third time I went to Europe, I thought, damn, barbers and, you know, hair and all that rose because I had quite long hair at the time. So really? I shaved it all off. Oh, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <it> came <laughs> back to Japan thinking, oh, it'll grow back in time. <laughs> oh. Famous last words. That was nice. it. It that hasn't come it. back. It so never came back. Wow. It was, I was 24 and I'm, that's, <laughs> wow. 30 years ago. <clears throat> How old are you now? 54. Oh, 54. So I'm 48. Okay. Yeah, so we're you kind mean, of like, yes. you know, similar. similar. You get into this part of your life and, you know, what's five or six years between yes. friends? Yeah. So today, yes. I've actually prepared something which is very unusual. For those of you guys that don't know Stuart O, please check the link in the bio, or just, the, just check the bio actually downstairs, because it's like really cool. But most recently, apart from anything actually, you have just come out with songs. Yes. And I don't know, the, seriously, what is your job? I mean, because you wear so many hats, <laughs> it's not even funny. I think we should just go into like talking a little bit about the things that you do. All right. So I know you do... Charity work. Yes. So yes. this is how we rekindled. That's right. Uh, through Santa Soul Train. Yes. That we're going to talk about today. Good. And um, you do stuff with children. Yes, I I've, I was or have been on NHK for kids for about sixteen years. Wow. So a lot of that has been on camera in my right. in my earlier days. I mean, they're, they're nice. kind of a bit funny about having people over fifty on kids shows for whatever <laughs> reason. But yeah. in, until my late forties, I was you know on all the time. So I would go around Japan doing lots of kids shows yeah. based on that show, and also my own independent show. Cool. And so I had yeah, we'd go all around Japan until. Corona came along and destroyed everything. Yeah. But we, yeah, I, I would go three times a week doing something and right. probably about usually half of those were kids related things. Nice. Things, yeah. <laughs> well, so I've also done my fair share of stuff. We're yes. going to talk about entertainment business a lot today. For, yes. But I actually did a kid's show called uh, Hoko, Hoka Hoka Poka Moka Town. I think it was. It was something Hoka, Hoka, bizarre. Poka, Moka Town. Yeah. Now the main character on that show was a coffee bean. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder the show only lasted half a season. Interesting things I've had to do. But you also do music. You make music, you sing songs, right? Yes. And you DJ. I DJ, yes. And then you MC. MC a lot, yes. And then you do TV shows as in acting and also as in as in like just like fun stuff. Stuart Owen, yeah, just talking and that as well, yes. And reporting and so on, yeah. What would you say your job is? At the moment. It's a good question. Jack of all trades. No, no, no. We'll get into the serious thing here. I think. At the moment, because of what's happened with Corona, yeah. and the fa and the fact there's no live work at all now, yeah. and also I can't really go on location doing reporting jobs because they don't want a foreign reporter coming to their locations. It right. seems I don't know whether that's just a foreign thing or maybe you know they don't want reporters per se coming. Right. A lot of these things I do are food related or yeah. alcohol related, so yeah. going into factories and so on. So maybe you know, of course, this because of what's happening now with Corona. So that's all kind of like on the back burner. My main thing now is the voices. I do right. loads of different. Commercial voices in the yeah. last, say, since I came back to Japan, 18 years. I've done over 200 major commercial campaigns. Wow. In, in this kind of a voice. It's yeah. all in, in Japanese, of course. That's yeah. probably my main thing at the moment that people would, yeah. would know me from. I mean, if you've got a TV the set. The voices. Yeah. The voice, but it's always, it's this kind of like 
Minna no karage kun. That kind of that kind of a voice, and that's gone ballistic, and that's kind of like why I, I, I bought a house with it. <laughs> so great, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. That was an accident. It was a complete accident. For most of the tomodachi's, right? Until we get this show, we actually translate it into Japanese. It's all English, so okay. all the people are have to speak English. But but your Japanese is not good. Like it's. <laughs> I could speak Japanese too, but not at that level at all. Well, I've been kind of forced into it because I thought, okay, to, to, to gain a foothold in the, the market, so yeah. TV, radio, emceeing and all these kind of things, uh, being here, you've got to, I thought, you've got to have the language. If I was in your position, for example, yeah. you're known for your fighting, yes. being a fighter, and then the Japanese skill on, on that is kind of like, like not a secondary thing, but you can get by on being a fighter that name recognition alone will get you media work and so on. Right. In my case, I'm a media professional, so yeah. I've got to get work based on my skills, which it's are all media-related so skills. So hard so to I, well, I taught myself Japanese. It took me years and years. And this, that's probably one another reason why I've got this, this hairstyle. Uh, <laughs> Would you call it a hairstyle or a headstyle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, headstyle. It's one. very, very distinctive, that. though. It's like, I actually really like it. We'll talk a little, a little bit later dark. on, but funny for sure. But um, an entertainer in Japan yeah. as a foreigner, I thought at one point in my career that this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be one of those Gainojin, like these talents that just mm. get all the jobs. And then here I see what you're doing. It's like, he's actually really doing it. Yeah, and I, I think, think there's only a few of you like that actually make a living off in Japan. Right, like truly is, yeah. live off truly it, right? Live, yeah, yeah, so I right. think that's it, that in itself is an accomplishment that I was like very, very like intrigued, interested in hearing more about. Well, it's it's basically if if uh, you go through the system like you know, Yoshimoto Kogyo, right. which is you know the, the main comedy yeah. uh, company in Japan, all these bigger agencies that are uh, mainly for Japanese talent. You got your people like your Dave Spectors, your Pak Kuns, right. brilliant skill sets. They're fantastic. They're really, really, really good at their jobs. But they have also had the benefit of being part of that system. Yeah. Whereas I came in and I thought, well, I'm not on looks alone going to get any work, and yeah. I'm self-taught with Japanese, so I'm going to make sure. I'm comfortable with what I'm doing before I actually do anything. Yeah. So I thought, okay, the third way is do my, do it my own way. Yeah. Knock on doors. Yeah. You know, like volunteer my services to a, a TV show. I'll do it the first time for free, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and then you know, just kind of like breaking down doors and doing so really bad with an agent here. No, no, no I'm way. Not. If you go online and you have a look, there are a few agents that I do get work through. Right. But I'm not signed exclusively to any of them. Oh, that's brilliant. So it's kind of like... So you make all your own decisions and all your yeah. own prices and everything? Yes, yeah. Wow, that's even more interesting. Yes, it's which can be a real kind of David Goliath thing. Yeah, because like, how do you set a price on a 30-second commercial, for example? Well, well, back in the day, it was based on what they thought I was worth. Right. But now, it's going to sound maybe a bit arrogant, but with the body of work behind you, you can oh, yeah. turn around and say, well, I think I'm going to work worth this much. And I've been already paid this much. Yeah. So how would you like to do this? Would you like to buy the thing out? So therefore, it's going to cost you X amount. Yeah. Are there residuals? So that will be a less of a recording fee, a first down payment, if you like. But you'll have to keep paying me whilst the thing's on air and all these kind of different factors. Right. But there was one, I won't say the client oh. or what it was, but I was in a commercial where I was the beginning of the commercial. It was me against a very, very popular talent group, but I was the evil against their, mm. their goodness. Yeah. And it was this whole negotiation process of their manager and their agent didn't want me to be opening the commercial. Because <laughs> they're oh, yeah. huge in Japan and I'm, you know, kind of I'm a foreign, yeah, people know who I am and some, a lot of people don't, but there we are, I'm in the middle there. Yeah. 
But there was this negotiating process where the director was adamant that I'm going to go first. Yeah. They, the guy, they were cool with it. They're like, yeah, he's, yeah, great. Go ahead. We know who he is and we're happy with this. They didn't want it. They didn't want it. So I was, I had to like, kind of like to get, to keep the peace in a way. The director, the directions were saying, you know, um, can, can you knock it down a little bit and we'll, we'll give you, like, give them more financial leeway in return for you getting the, the rights to be, not the spot, not to beat the opening spot. Because uh-huh. I'm going to screen going like, that's a horrible, <laughs> I horrible, horrible thing to happen on the spot. that happen on the spot there? No, 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 no. I was in negotiation before oh, that. Okay. So we went to a whole bunch of meetings and I turn up. <laughs> with a hat and a bag, you know, as you do. And there's like, you know, 10 people sat there on the oh, other yeah. side of the table. And they're like, oh, we're still Are you alone? It's like, uh, uh, something was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be by myself here. So yeah. I was on the back foot at the beginning. But there's been a lot of those kind of things happening. And it's kind of, you know, you get oh, that's a thick crazy. skin and it's good. That reminds me of a time <laughs> when um, it was, uh, so Dentsu, which is like the biggest uh, advertising company in Japan, right? So they, they book all the big commercials or yeah. outsource them to everyone else. Right? And they got these massive teams, right? So they, they roll up 20 people, 25 people for like a tiny little shoot, right? And it's <laughs> like got 20 people just standing around doing absolutely nothing, right? And it's like, what are these guys doing here, right? But anyway, so I was on a, I was offered a, a, a part uh, for a, um, uh, a yogurt commercial <laughs> with a very famous Japanese talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was three of us, three different parts in it. Right? The one of the part was some guy teaching her uh, a hula dance or girl teaching her hula dance. And then there was some other personality teaching her something else. And then there was like, she had to do this one karate kick. And so, and it would be like on the actual commercial, it would be like the yogurt in the middle and then like kick, kick kind of thing, right? <laughs> Like, I, I don't know what they were trying to go for in the story here, but, and then so. Proceeding the water bottle challenge. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, fair enough. Right? I just thought it was super interesting. Right? They, they called me into the big office, you know, and then it's like, it was raining that day and I only had a motorcycle. So I got in there on a motorcycle and I was completely drenched. And they said, yeah, go sit over there and wait over there. And then I waited for two hours. They didn't even offer like a towel or water, anything. And I was just sitting there drenched thinking, okay, I just want to go home now. <laughs> and then in comes the talent. Says, we're going to reintroduce you to the talent. So I was like, oh, great. So they roll up again, same thing, 20 people. And they're like, oh, 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 like this is all nervous about this talent. And she's like, oh, hey, how you doing? And I was like, yeah, cool. Anyway, same thing happened. They're like, yeah, you are really good with the kick, but you're too famous. You can't be in the same shot as her because you're going to overshower her. And I was like, are you kidding me? She's a superstar in Japan. I was like, there's no way I wouldn't do that. So I was like, I got to go on set and teach her how to kick, not get on the actual You didn't actually do the commercial in the end? No, I didn't do it. That's wow. No, judgment. Maybe some people watching, but no, that's not. Yeah, no, that's no. not good at all, is it? No, I thought no. it was really. It was really bizarre. Like, but they paid pretty good. So in the end, I was like, oh, you know, why not? You yeah, know, and yeah. I got to meet her and you know talk to her and stuff like that. She ended up getting married to another guy. I don't forget. I can't remember their names, but they were a really famous couple in Japan. But it is a very close kind of thing. Uh, there, there, there's only been, I suppose, what the last ten years where I'm actually getting credited for a lot of the work. So oh. you, you go back, okay, when we were on TV together, which is the early 2000s, yeah. if you like, um, you'd look at the TV program. We weren't in it. Oh. It'd be all the Japanese talent that were yeah. listed. But n- you and I, who were the only m- non-Japanese in the show, we weren't even on the, the program <laughs> or anything, the TV guys or anything. Yeah. So that's been, that's now, thank goodness, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. But there's always been this kind of like, you over, you cannot overshadow the right, right, Japanese right. talent. And I think it's, you know, yeah. Okay, so what kind of other stories do you have, like a commercial or stuff, where you like thought, "Oh, this is just bizarre." Uh, well, yeah, mainly I, I suppose TV shows yeah. where it's really there's lots of like bizarre reporting you get to do, and like Buddhist, uh, like <laughs> zazen temples and so on, with comedians who are trying to make it's fun funny. of the of the situation where yeah. the monk is really serious. I'm kind of like, 
what do I do? Am I supposed to be with the comedians laughing at this yeah. or trying to be quite serious about it? So there's been some uncomfortable uh, situations. I don't know, I had a bath with Tsumabuki uh, Satoshi, who was, uh, we, I was a gay character in a, but a very flamboyant kind of gay <laughs> character in a movie. And we all stayed at the same location and we got on really, really well in his house. He's the lead actor and his house is quite close to mine. Right. So they'd pick me up in the morning, we'd go jogging, you know, like on off days and so on together because it was a three or four week shoot. Yeah. And then we ended up going to have a bath together. And then um, we did this kind of, <laughs> this, this TV special and we were talking about this to the, well, he didn't tell me, but he told the, the, uh, the compere of the show, yeah. oh, I had a bath with <laughs> the actor who's playing that gay character who's, on, who's after me. <laughs> I didn't know this. And so they confronted me with this. And I'm like, oh. this is live breakfast TV. Am I supposed to be saying, you know, yes, yes, I, you know, I no, took a yeah, bath with him. I mean, like, you're thinking of bath in Japan. It's like really it's a normal thing for guys to do. It has been in the context of the movie. I right, mean, because right. people who haven't seen the movie yet or right. have just seen the movie right. would have been like, you know, hey. <laughs> Maybe he's you are. Like, hey. <laughs> Maybe it's, you know, yeah, we, go. We, might, we might start a scandal. Yeah. But nothing really too kind of like, you know, weird like that. Huh. But yeah. I think you, uh, we kind of like touched on, on a really, really uh, interesting topic, though we never really dove, dove into it. So I'm going to pull it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, this this um, feeling of being treated differently as a foreigner. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are talents, let's call them talents, uh, in Japan, like yourself. I've been in, in that world for a long time, too. I still happen to be in and out of it a little bit more. Mm. Um, but on set, for example, mm -hmm. are you treated as a foreign talent or as you treated as those those some because there are some talents that are treated as the Japanese almost mm -hmm. like they get their name on the locker room. They get the higher fees. They get like, you know, the taxi ticket to go home mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Or it's like, oh, yeah, we just need an extra because I've, I've seen both sides of the coin. I'm lucky enough to say that I'm on the first side, as in I get a, my own dressing room with a nameplate on it. Nice. Taxi yeah. home and taxi there in the mornings and yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, that's quite good. That's quite good. I kind yeah. of ne never really had to go through the extras kind of thing because, I, as I said before, I, I kind of worked out quite earlier that I don't really fit a, a media-type image right. the Japanese would have of a foreigner. Yeah. So I kind of had to create my own thing. So I decided very early on in the, in the piece that I should be doing branding and branding myself as just this you know, particular talent or rather than, you know, white guy, whatever age group, you know, yeah. Caucasian kind of, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, bald-headed. If you had signed up with one of those, you know, you know, bigger agencies back in the day, it will just send you out to auditions and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, they'll, they'll call up and say, I oh, would just need a white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I did a TV drama one time, I had to play this priest and um, and it was, it was like in a, in a foreign language. So I was speaking in Spanish, right? And so they sent me all these lines in Spanish and I spent weeks on rehearsing these Spanish lines. And I was like so confident when I woke up on set, right? And then, so we go in and so we're, we're talking and I'm doing the Spanish scene. And then I messed up a line, right? And I was like, ah, sorry, I, I messed it up. And he says, ah, just, you can say whatever you want. No one cares. And I was like, what? Well, because you speaking in Danish now? I mean, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, yeah, just do whatever you want in there. We're just going to dub over it anyway. I was like, whoa, okay. You could have told me this yeah, three weeks ago. You could have told me. Yeah. I was like so devastated. Not devastated. I was like heartbroken. Yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah, I would be too, having spent all that time. You know, I, I take great pride in my craft as, yes. a, as an actor. Right? Yes. So it's like, why would they not, you know, respect that? Mm. But then I've also been on the other side of the coin where it's like, oh, we need Nicholas Pettis. Yeah. Like, yeah. and we need you to be like this. And, and like, I was on a scene um, with a very famous um, actor and it was like kind of this kind of setting. Mm -hmm. We were negotiating to mm -hmm. right? And so I played this very powerful American, you know, businessman kind of type of guy, right? And he says something and I get angry and I stand <laughs> up and I slap my hands on the table and stuff like this, right? And it's like, yeah, I like that. The director comes over and says, I like that because you when you slap your hands on a table and stand up and stare him down, can you like, like hold your breath and make your face go red? <laughs> and I was like, 
you're kidding me, right? And I was like, I love the challenge of it, right? So I like, went through the whole scene again and I snapped it. And I hold it. And I went really right in the head. And he was like, cut, love it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's true acting, of course. Oh, it was really fun. I, I love it. I love acting. Um, but... I mean, we're here to talk about you more than me. That's right, of course, yeah. I yeah. want to go back because I want to know exactly how did this all start? How did this journey start for you? Where were you born and how did you end up in Japan? All right. I, I was born in Sydney in Australia. Okay. Right, to uh, uh, a mum with British roots and a father with Scottish roots. Yeah. But going f quite a way back. Yeah. Um, and I had an uncle who was a professional opera singer and he we used to go and watch him and he'd take me backstage and then when they needed a kid's chorus on stage, you know, like, come and sing with this Sydney Opera Company or the Australian Opera Company at the Opera House, oh, wow. you know. It just took off from there. I'd been doing theatre as a kid and then got to about 15 and debuted as a rock singer. Yeah. Last I was at a very, very prim and proper private boys' school uh -huh. in Sydney. And then once that kind of finished, I was in a band that started to take off and then our drummer got scouted by a very famous band in Australia. And he went on tour with, they went on tour with, with Kiss and the Eurythmics. Oh, wow. So, like, it was better than us playing the, you know, the Sydney Cove Tavern kind of thing. It was much, much more attractive. Yeah, absolutely. So then, but I deferred university and everything thinking, well, I'm going to be a rock star. You know, here we go. So I completely kind of, like, just dropped the, the bundle. Then when the band broke up, I'm like, well, there's really nothing here in Australia for me, is there? So let's go to England and, re, re, like, rebirth ourselves in England. Okay. Where can we go via? Because, you know, we might as well make a, you know, a bit of a trip out of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Japan looks nice, you know, yeah. it's only like, it's the it's same time zone and it's only a nine hour flight to Narita, here we go. And I could get a working holiday visa. Yeah. So I got a working holiday visa and had, what, $500 Australian, which is like, you know, nothing, basically. Yeah. And uh, turned up in Japan and here we are, like 33 years later, you know. No, but did you never go to England then? I did, but I didn't go, I went as a, as a tourist, if you like. Oh. And I've got relatives there, so I went back and, you know, saw relatives and so on, but... I never actually okay. ended up going there to you, work. You can't anything. jump over, like, what is this, 30 years of career just saying, <laughs> oh, and I'm just here. Because, I mean, what was the first thing you did when you got to Japan, for example? Uh, I went to a pub and drank. Oh, yeah. No, no, I mean, work-wise, you mean? Well, well, even maybe the first, first thing, if you hear the podcast with Konishiki, Check it out. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. first thing he did was he was begging money from people in the plane because he didn't have money to buy himself <laughs> out of the airport. <laughs> yes, yes. But what, like, so, I mean, you well, get in. What, I get in. What do you do? And, and, and I kind of, yeah, I, I ended up getting into Shinjuku and I ended up kind of like blagging my way into a capsule hotel, not speaking a word of Japanese or right, anything. Right. Having no idea what was going on. But I had met a girl. This is the thing. I'd met a girl, uh -huh. but she was out, way outside of Tokyo in a, in a place in Yamanashi. Where, did, where did you meet her? I met her in Sydney, ah, right, okay, through a yeah. mutual friend. And, you know, you know, you do. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a really serious thing. But I had her number, so I called her up and said, you know, like, well, I'm in Japan now, you know. So, right. oh, let's meet up. Great. But she's like 120 k's out right. of Tokyo. So I went to her town, and I'm like, all right, well, this is actually quite nice. Mm. I, I mean, I, I love Tokyo, of course, but yeah. I, what I gathered in the short time before going there was that it's an international city. There's so many foreigners around and in those days this is 1987 i wanted to experience 87 1987 i wanted wow. to experience the real japan yeah as you do right so that's right at the bubble so it was must have been right in the middle of the bubble so yeah. every country town was like it was just booming i mean yamanashi was the center of the jewelry uh gemstone trade yeah. in japan in, yeah. in those days i don't know whether it still is but it was then so there was just like money. It was a wash with money. Yeah. So I would be in Tokyo and then I'd be in Yamanashi. And I thought, you know, Yamanashi is probably a better deal for the first couple of years. And the longer I stayed in Yamanashi, 
the more the language skills kicked kicked in and mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, to, to, to get by on, on my own. But I had in the back of my mind that I'd like to actually one day go and, and get back into, you know, into the entertainment world again, yeah. thinking that England would be the thing. But the more I got involved with Japan, the more I spoke, the more I realised that there's a, there's a potential here for what I, I've got as a skill set so yeah. I can maybe apply what I've done in the past to, and, and my language, right, language right. skills, mix them together and then... But how are you sustaining the, yourself? Was like, would you be teaching English or working in a bar? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> D, all of the above. You know, like, I, oh, literally, I literally used to go to this bar called the Black Lion in, in, in <laughs> Megu, right? Yes. And so oh, I used to go there like I was a regular, right? Oh, and uh, one night these two kids, these Irish two kids walk in, right? And they're like, it says, it says staff want it. And it's like, and the guy goes, yeah, you're hired right now. So it's like the first thing they did, they were pissed drunk from the night before. And they were just on a, on a big piss for a week, right? They were just here for fun. And then he got hired. He ended up staying for eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he uh, well, Keith is his name, but he ended up going, yeah, to uh, Holland now because he met a girlfriend. Okay. They moved to Holland, but he loved it here. He became a recruiter, a very successful one, actually. All right. Yeah. Well, the Megro Tavern was quite a kind of like a, a meeting yeah. point. And a, and right, a, you know, so like you know that place, place, right? Well, I live in, I've been living in Megro since I came back. Oh, wow. From my little sabbatical in the middle. So right. 18 years in Megro. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah, I, I really missed that place, actually. It got quite kind of, well, let's say the floorboards were rotting and it was like oh, yeah, you know, okay. more, more kind of cockroaches than people in there at yeah. the end. Yeah. And there's other, a few other bars that are taken off now in Megro, which is... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and we and should definitely go there well. then. Yes. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Anyway, the so, first... Yeah, so the, how are you sustaining yourself? So I was doing D all of the above. I working part-time in a bar, working in a karaoke place, doing a bit of English teaching as well. In those days, of course, foreigners oh, were rare as hands. must have been. If they, I used to have friends that tell me they were making hundred dollars an hour as an English teacher. Yes, a hundred dollars an hour. There was a university teacher, a university uh, professor, I should say. Sorry, who was doing a medical research paper. Yeah, he was doing this thing for about four or five years. Whenever he needed English correction, he'd come to me and he'd pay me in beer tickets. <laughs> right. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One thousand. I'm yeah. thinking, okay. Beer tickets. And I didn't even realize at the point that it was legal tender. Yeah. You could use it to buy anything. Anything, yeah. Much, you know? yeah. But he just come with a stack of these beer tickets. So I just kept them in a folder. <laughs> and then another friend I'd made, a foreign guy who had been there yeah, forever, he'd been there since the mid-70s, he said to me, that's legal tender. You can take that to a department store and buy yourself a suit oh, yeah. or whatever. And I ended up having like, you know, 1.5 million yen worth of Wow. These beer tickets. And I had like no idea. Fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand dollars worth of beer tickets, and it's. Like, and you thought it was just for beer. There was a bit of that, but I used to use a bit of them for beer. But yeah. I was that was the only thing. But in those days, you could buy the, the yeah. four liter or five liter jugs. Oh of yeah, beer, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The big cans. Yeah, yeah the cans. Yeah, in that's convenience right. store. But they don't have them anymore, do they? they don't, no. Well, you can find them. There are a few retro yeah. uh, stores that still have them. Yeah. Hilarious. In places like Coingy and Yeah, interesting. So then that kind of all went on, and then. Then I'm like, okay, I want to get back into the game. You know, met a girl, got married, got divorced. Oh, and you another got divorced? girl got remarried. Oh, wow. And the, they were still married to the, 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 Just, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. The second, it sounds all good. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, remarried and then we're still, we're still together and everything's great. But um, I thought I've got to get, you know, get back to what, what I was originally wanting to do, which yeah. is, you know, getting back into entertainment. And so, what was the that. first job of entertainment here? Here in Japan. Japan. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. What, what, when I, what do you mean when I, Came back or before I left? Because there's there's kind of like a uh, like a half time and a okay, first yeah. half and a second. I want to hear about the half time, but like the actual literally first that's an entertainment job that you like because you said you were out knocking on doors and say I'll, okay. I'll do this on my own. But one. for the first ten years, I wasn't really that interested in doing it because I got oh. absorbed in just you know working in a pub, the going rest out of drinking, the and you know yeah. being a young idiot, kind of traveling based in Japan to Europe. 
backpacking around Europe and so on. I did all of that kind of stuff. Mm. So I wasn't so interested in the first, say, 10 years. Um, but the, I, even in that time, though, I did a few gigs and I was still able to, you know, to sing. I went to like, a, I sang at an opening of an English school in Fukushima, wow. in Iwaki City, oh. in 1989. And they paid me like... 500,000 yen for like wow. about 10 minutes over two days. <laughs> and cool. then they spent the rest of the time taking us out drinking to sake back in like breweries and whatever. Best job I've ever. Brilliant. And then there was, <laughs> and before, when I still had hair, I, did, I was a, like a, a catwalk hair model yeah. at, at a hair show. Oh, wow. Yeah. A hair show. A hair show at the Yogi <laughs> Gymnasium, which is <laughs> amazing. Like, yeah, and I was slim enough to, oh, sorry, yeah. water there. I was slim enough to, uh, to, to put it all off. So uh, yeah. everything was good, you know. So uh, that, was, that was a decent. So what is this gap in your life, you say? What is, why is that there? Well, okay, there's that 10 years when I wasn't, like, yeah. fell in love with Japan, wasn't really chasing the entertainment game. Yeah. But then towards the end and wanting to get back into it, I kind of came to Tokyo more often from Yamanashi. It's not that far. So I'd yeah. come and I'd go to jam sessions and so on. And I happened into this one place. Uh, called Lantan in Shinsen, which is just up the road from Shibuya. Mm -hmm. And they had this really great session day where all of these really, really famous Japanese session musicians go just to jam. Yeah. And then you've got like Samejima Hideki from Hound Dog just sat there playing bass. Ah. You've got, you know, uh, Korenaga from Rebecca just standing there playing guitar in a bar that's probably twice the size of this studio. Wow. Tiny place. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I can sing. So I got up and sang and they're like, man, you know, because I've got a, quite a high singing voice and yeah. I, like a rock singing voice. So they were like, yeah, let's do... Oh, sorry. It's I right. keep spinning. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting an umbrella on my radio. Sorry, sorry, it's all good. Don't worry, I've had, I've had my PC, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, so they're like, yeah, wow, you can sing. And so I did some gigs with these guys and so on. And then I met a guy from NHK and so they were saying, well, you're from Australia. We were going for the Sydney Olympics. Would you like to come and be part of our crew? So I went back to Australia with the NHK and worked. Nice. With the, uh, with the NHK doing the Olympics and doing that with a high different definition crews in, in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. I met a whole bunch of people. And then I said to these guys, I'll be on NHK within five years. And ta-da! It came true. Within five years, I was wow. I had a regular show on NHK when I came back to Japan. That's really so it's cool. quite, quite a hilarious thing. I'm still in touch with these guys. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, so I hosted a show for NHK World called uh, Imagination mm -hmm. for seven seasons with uh, Chiaki Horan. And yes. I loved it. The only reason we got shut down is because uh, of the Olympics. All right. So now, like last year, they're like, oh, we're changing all the budgets, doing more stuff on sports, so we're yeah. cutting out shows, you know. Because they don't know if the shows are doing good or well. Yeah, 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 that's Because they, they can't get the ratings from overseas. Because I've asked about this, because I wanted to do this other show I did about called martial arts called The Samurai Spirit. We wanted to, like, buy the rights for it yeah. and, like, sell it as DVDs because they're that well-produced. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, yeah, they don't really do that. <laughs> so, well, they, they don't. No, they're very kind of like, but I, I suppose if there's some another kind of a company a production company between NHK. Yeah, and there yourself. was, but I tried to. They, so we tried as a team to get to buy the rights for that show mm -hmm. from NHK, and somebody couldn't didn't want to sell it. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. really, but they're really good. You can we can watch them on YouTube anyway. So I mean, yeah. people just upload them, and then once in a while, someone says, "Oh, this is not yours," and then they take it on, and another guy just uploads <laughs> it. Uh, talking about YouTube, I'm so what is like for you, for example, for, because I, I'm not going to say this and sound like a snob or anything, but mm -hmm. in the beginning. When YouTube first popped up, I was like, yeah, that's like a great way to do a vlog, right? Mm. So like now I don't have to type anything. I just, instead of doing the, they call it BBS in back in the day or mm, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I just talked to my phone, right? And so I started doing that. I had like 600 like vlogs like 10 years ago up on my YouTube channel. And I was like, I just gave up on it because I didn't know if there was anyone actually watching or following me. There was no interaction with anyone. Right. And then I thought, well, YouTube is for music anyway. It's just for music yeah, videos, right? <laughs> it's just for music videos. And then now you see the difference in uh, YouTube, how it's like exploded and you have like all these personalities. For example, the Tomonash is watching us today. This is also because it's on YouTube, right? I think it's a great interface to have it. But 
in the beginning, like when, cause I didn't get into YouTube until like for real, like probably like last year. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Like up until that, maybe a year before that, hmm. I would watch shows like um, uh, The Hot Ones with uh, Dumbfounded Media and we'd like, you know, mimic it and get some hot wings and like eat them and <laughs> <laughs> get all excited about it, you know? But just for that, and, that's, and then after that, it was just music. But And then so last year, because of the COVID, I was like, okay, now I need to find out, to, I need something to do because, yeah, yeah. you know, we closed the gym for two months. Yeah, Almost three months. Man. Yes, yes. And that's when I found out that YouTube is a fantastic tool for finding someone of of, of people of you have interest in yeah. and following them. And yeah. it's like tagging all either on their adventure vlogs or on their, you know, fun stuff or interesting podcasts or whatever it is. Mm. And so I, so the question was, <laughs> the question is, <laughs> how, what is your mind in, in viewing what YouTube does for the media now mm. and in comparison to what like the conventional media channels are? Okay, this was a this is a bit of a this is another long long spiel I have for yeah. this one if you like. I back in the day I was kind of I don't know, it, very incorrectly kind of a snob in a way. It, my 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 way of thinking was, hang on, I've been doing this since I was a tiny kid, yeah. and I've worked my whole life to get onto TV, radio, etc. Yeah, and then someone can jump on YouTube without a skill set, and then bang, yep. you know, they get a, a million followers or whatever, without necessarily having gone through. That, that, that through that road. Exactly. So in the beginning, I was really quite, you know, I, yes, snobby. I was like, I was looking down my nose at YouTube yeah. and I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's beneath me. But then there are some really qual quality people, real yeah. quality people who've never really had the chances that we've been given yeah. to get on to mainstream media. And they might never get the chances that we've had. That's right. But in the other side, I think that's really interesting. Yes. But in the YouTube community, they've got millions of followers. They're making a killing on it. And it's just like, wow, that's incredible. Because it's hit a nerve. There, yeah. There's a market for what they're doing. Yeah. So you, you can't just write it off like, you know. No, no. Point not at all. But the, the thing I'm, that concerns me the most about it is with YouTube, everyone, all the YouTubers who are really, really successful have to put up something every day. Oh, yeah. There's so a lot of content being pushed out there. Mess with your head. I mean, we do it and we get paid for it, but not, say, on YouTube, but we do it if, if you know, I mean, I'm doing something every day, yeah. but I'm getting, you know, getting it's, it's, it's a rolling kind of a thing. People yeah. ask me to do stuff all the time. But to be creating by yourself and not sure whether that's actually going to have an audience. Okay. Are you going to be able to feed yourself with that or not? So I spent the last 12 months on figuring this out. The conclusion I came to was this. Yes. Tell me, please. <laughs> you, well, I started with 1,600 followers, subscribers. It's not bad. Well, those are from 10 years ago. I didn't okay. even know I had them. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, wow, this is cool, right? And then I looked at the content that I had and I deleted like 600 videos or just unlisted them. Deleted? Because, well, I think I deleted most of it I, or I unlisted whatever. But I was just like, it's because it wasn't in the direction I wanted to go. Okay. So, and I, last year I had no idea what I wanted to do with it. I just thought I had a lot of time. I love being able to, you know, create some kind of connection with the Tomonashis, people who have followed me from a long time before. Yeah. And also maybe making new Tomonashis. And so it, it was... During COVID, it was food shows mm -hmm. uh, for my members, mm -hmm. as in how do you eat healthy? Because yeah. we're going to talk about that real soon. Yes. Because you gained over COVID. <laughs> and I lost weight during COVID. As wow. much as you gained, I lost. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I was really super proactive about it. I, I knew straight away, look, man, you're going to move less. You're going to eat the same. You're going to get fat. It's that simple. So the, my philosophy was just eat less and then keep training. So I would like go out and, and film myself, make uh, film myself uh, cooking foods in the house mm -hmm. and then making um, training videos of me like working out. But but there was no editing in these things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Dumbfounding Media says, oh, but you should check out this guy. You know, uh, this really famous vlogger from New York, right? 
rides around on a skateboard and stuff like that. And mm. I thought it was really cool. And I was like, Casey. <laughs> so I got super inspired mm-hmm. and then I tried to like mimic it and try to work with it and, and like learn and understand what making a little movie, for example, is about, you know, mm-hmm. open the door of the car, get the, <laughs> get the, you know, the shot of the hand, you yeah. know, hearing the, the sound of the door closing, you know, going mm-hmm. for a ride, all these things. And then he also taught me a lot about editing, right? Anyway, and I was shit at it. Like I, I <laughs> was shit at it for real, but it slowly grew. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, people are actually, they're giving me a chance here. Yeah, and I yeah. thought it was really cool. So I kept making shitty videos. Right? <laughs> I got a little bit better at editing. And then I found a style. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stick with this style and see where it goes. Mm. And then I, at one point, I just realized, I was like, look, man, this is as good as I'll ever get at this. Because I just, I, I just don't have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. Because you shoot, you got to come up with stories. Yep. Then you got to like film it. And make it real. Make sure that everything's shot properly. And then you got to sit down and look at it again about 50 times while you're editing it. And then you got to understand what is the editing art. And I'm going to call it the art of editing mm. because Dumbfounded Media is so good. I kid you not. He's going to make us look great on this show. <laughs> good luck with that. I've been trying for years. It's not worked. <laughs> and, and so I just had a serious talk to him. I said, dude, man, you are so good at this. Mm. Why am I trying to even get close? I will yeah. never get to that level. It's like, there's just like, it's like me trying to learn the piano. It's not going to happen. Right. So I said, hey, man, let's partner up. Obviously, it's a great partnership. Yes. Because the content is fantastic. And so now we've gotten rid of all the, the, the shitty videos, and now it's just like really cool production videos. Did you lose followers when you got rid of that shitty video? No, content? we're actually growing. Good. And But we're only uploading like one or two videos a month, and we split the channels up. The Tokyo Talks is a specific channel just for this. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the partnership between me and, you know, Dumbfounded Media. I keep saying Dumbfounded Media. I hope you guys pick up on that. <laughs> Please subscribe to the Repetition. channel. Repetition. <laughs> But yeah, um, so I, I, this is what I realized Yeah, for me. If you want great production video quality, just either you learn it or you partner with someone. Yeah, somebody who knows it. what they're doing, yeah. Yeah, of course. With YouTube, I, I, I get often asked by production companies to do pilots for things. And they're mainly yeah. kind of based upon what I did with the, the NHK e-television for yeah. kids, right? But adult versions of, of, of that content, if you like. Not X-rated adult versions, yeah. as in just you know content yeah. for adults. So what I found with the way, I don't know how Dumbfounded does it. I'm sure they're doing it in a, in a completely different speak span way. NHK, the, the location stuff is done really, really simply. Yeah. They're basically, it's, it's rolling the camera. I have ideas. They're like, we write them down, stick it underneath the camera. And they're just like, what they say in Japanese, Marunage, you go for it and just do what you do. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, if it's this easy to put this stuff together. If I've got a decent enough camera and a mic, a pin mic, yep. and I do like the editing, so I've got a, they will laugh. Final Cut Pro 10. I mean, okay, it's... It's the same as I have. Yeah, yeah and it's not bad. You know? Welcome to the club. Cool, very cool. <laughs> I've got Pro Tools because I do a lot. I've got my own studio, so I yeah. do a lot of... I, even like some of the stuff I do, for, for example, Sekai Marumi, which is a yeah. show on, on Nitele, yeah. which is uh, what's been on for 32 years, 33 oh, yeah. years. Yeah. They asked me to do the 30-year anniversary special. Hey, I introduced oh, wow. videos. You're like, Takoro-san, Takeshi-san, I'm introducing videos. Nice. But since Corona has kicked in, I'm doing that in my own studio with a single white back with the lighting, the camera, and I do the pin mic and I have a dummy mic in front of me. So I've got all the gear, basically. But you also learned this from, sorry to jump in on From watching what's on the other side of the camera when I'm working, doing it. But the editing part and using the mechanics of it, is that from doing your music? It's it's very because yeah, basically it's, it's a pretty similar process with yeah. digital editing. Yeah. So if you can do sound, you, it's pretty much. I mean, it's a lot more complex because yeah. uh, I I don't want to go. You know, <laughs> the dumb people looking at me going like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a lot more difficult. You have no idea what you're talking about, man. But it's actually kind of 
it's similar in concept to your splitting. Yeah. Uh, what's the word? Like a, a kind of um, um, substituting content for, you know, this is a better cut than that one. Yeah. The size, the sound, you know, mixing the sound. It's quite similar. And I actually don't mind doing that. Oh, wow. I do a radio, well, it's a radio show. It's an in-store show for yeah. Lullaport. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, and that's, I've been doing that in my own studio for seven or eight years now. So I make all the sound logos, you know, Fujimi Island Music, we're still at And do all that stuff, right? So, because I'm happy doing all that stuff, right? So, so for me, it's even like it's an extension of yeah, that. I'm yeah. doing one at the moment, pilot. That is Arukostiato. I'm walking around Tokyo in specific areas. Yeah, I watched that. Doing yeah, doing kind of it's a simple yeah. AI thing. It's really really simple. I loved it when you opened the show and said, "Yes, during COVID, I gained ten kilos. <laughs> I'm gonna walk ten thousand steps a day." And then you finished both the shows with, with a beer. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is, because, I mean, that's what you do. You yeah. want 10,000 and on the way home you have a pint. I mean, every, no, but the, 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 great, the other part of that was the idea I could probably get some good sponsorship with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we were thinking more of BS than, yeah. than uh, NHK. Yeah. So, you know, it's, no, it's, it's got a really good like, it. They're nice and short. By, you know, you know yeah. and you show the city and stuff. Who does the music for those? Me. Oh, cool. Everything. Yeah. All the editing music, cameras. Oh. As I said, I go out with a tripod and yeah. a camera and the pin mic. I'm sure you and Dumbfounded Media will get on like a house on fire because ah. he does everything, like all the music and, and everything. To, yeah, uh, it's really cool. Yes. He does uh, a lot of research. A lot of things that we talk about on the show, he'll pop up and like go in and find photos of and stuff like that and insert it into it. Oh, yeah. right. I think his best work so far is the, the Konishki yeah. one, actually. Oh, because there's lots of material online but for Konishki. Man, man, it's like he got the fight where he broke his knee. And oh. it's like, yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah, so anyway, no. talking about the concept, what I learned over that you're not just that, it's just you partner with someone that's better than yourself, but also when you see the really successful YouTubers, which you probably have the talent to do all by yourself. It looks like it. I can't. But they do not just the YouTubes. They shoot, edit, you know, and make that really good. They follow their own formula. They make up their style of the show and they go to the... Then they tweet. Then they Reddit. Yeah. And then they do uh, live streams. Then they do... I mean, and we're talking but every yeah. day. Yeah. Like every day. There's this really cool uh, YouTuber called Philion. He talks about fitness guys. It's hilarious, by the way. He's just so funny. But so what he does is, this is smart. He does the live Twitch stream where he Twitch. pulls ah, up. okay. Yeah, so he's the on gaming it. one. Yeah, that yeah. one. He also games on it, but he also just does like his actual show that he does. And then he just films that. He records him while he's talking to his tomodachis mm. and coming up with comments on it. And then he just posts that on YouTube. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, there's no editing or anything really necessary. Yeah, not on that one. Just, yeah. But I don't know. I think, you know, that's good if it's a vlog. And it's only, as you said, before no, so to a limited he does on that one also, it actually takes a lot of editing because he'll he'll pull up stuff um, from YouTube when he's talking about, say, oh, we're going to look at this Instagram or this, that, and that. So he has to put that in there and make that for real. But he does it in really like a fluid, simple way. Wow. He does so much content. Yeah, that's the thing. Have you got time for it? No. no. <laughs> I know I don't, but I'd even no. love to have more time. To, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, no, I said this before Corona kicked in and wiped out at that stage more than half of my gigs. Yeah. It was like, oh, I wish I had some more time. Because I was at the stage where I was doing literally three, four, five jobs. I'd go, like, I'd do something breakfast live on radio, then I'd run to a TV studio, do a, do a, a segment, then do two commercial narrations, and then, do, then go and do, like, you know, trains to Oshi Tokyo. You know, they're kind of like, <laughs> that kind of relaxed narration yeah, at, yeah. in night. So I was like, oh, I, I wasn't doing any of them to the best of my ability because I was doing so much. I was stretching myself so much. Right. I was, and I was just like, I'm, I'm letting the clients down. They were happy, but I knew I could do better. Oh. So like, I wish I had double the time, half the gigs for the same money. Yeah, that would be nice. What do they say? Be careful what you wish for. Oh. Nyeh, 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 That's where you're at now then. No, no, no. It's, still, it's all picked up again, which is great. Yeah. But it was just, I, I found having the time. Yeah. 
I didn't really want to have that much time. Oh, but, okay. you know, yeah, hence, as enough. you did when you had to shut yeah. the gym down, you had a couple of months where you couldn't do any work. So it gave you a good opportunity to do a lot of the Yeah, stuff, well, the know, thing is, I think, with, I think people like you and I, I mean, we got very similar energy and stuff like that, and like uh, pulling people, you know, towards us and stuff like that. But even more so, you're driven to do something. Yeah. You know, you can't just sit down, let's like let it go. It's like, okay, I, I'm just going to get whatever. No, no. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about that, sitting down and giving up. <laughs> because uh, what happened during COVID? <laughs> what, to my body? You mean? Yeah. Okay, well, two things. Yeah. First of all, with my work, as you said, when you kindly introduced me, I do a lot of live events, emceeing, mm -hmm. rock singing at events, you know, corporate yeah. events. Like, How guest today is? Do you know? Ah! Kind of, that kind of thing. The Santa Soul <laughs> Train, which is a very energetic project. Yeah. And most of my uh, kids' shows and family shows, either they're being paid gigs or non-paid gigs, are very energetic shows mm. per se. So I was doing probably three days of these three gigs, or three, yeah, three days of these kind of gigs a week. Yeah. So I would be going, say, for half the week, I'd be, Okay, Tuesday, you're off to Sapporo for the day. You, you know, so the day before, you keep fit. You don't drink. You don't, you know, overeat or whatever. First flight out in the morning, you keep your fluids. You get on stage. You do your thing. You maybe have a kampai and then you fly back. Mm. Okay? Then you've got, okay, the, the, the next day is two or three voice gigs, so you, you do your normal thing. But then, say, Thursday comes along and you've got Hiroshima. But mm. they're going to send you in a Shinkansen. So you're going to be sat one other things for five hours. So you've kind of got, you've got to keep yourself, you know, on on on, yeah. Yeah, on uh, with the, with your switch on, so that was happening three times a week. Take that away. Yeah. Not only have you lost your spark. I mean, yeah. I was still, as I said, doing TV and, and and voice and so on. So there's a lot of those gigs. But you take that away. It's like, well, I, you know, like, where's you know, where's the seven yeah, o'clock showtime? Hi, you know, like stuff. Yeah. Can, can you imagine going on tour as a rock singer for for like two years and then coming off stage? And Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones said this. Yeah. He's like, I can't around drinking whiskey. Because he is just he needs that kind of something. Yeah. But it's taken away from him. In my case, I had all these bookings. 2020 was gonna be a massive year for me personally, yeah. career-wise. Oh man. Bang. I had like 160 cancellations. Oh my god. Like just in within that first month and a half, they would call me like gigs booked up for like August, September, October. You know, yeah. they're all like, you know. So like, bang. So I lost all of that. So that motivation went, plus all that physical activity, right. plus the physical pre preparation and post, what would you call it? Like post physical, yeah. you know, um, that goes. Then there's, okay, you know, I have a, an elderly father-in-law who was rushed to hospital right at the beginning of Corona, nothing to do with Corona, but he has really severe as asthma yeah. and problems with his, what would you call it? Uh... Uh, system? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah with this respiratory system, right? So yeah. he's in hospital for a month. Mm. So I'm like, you know, there's this kind of like, the, you know, my wife is out there for a month. My daughter and I are not stuck at home, but we're at home. Her works, my daughter just finished university. Her whole world was shut down. She had all these company to go to, all these things sorted for her. It was all cancelled. My gigs and my live gigs were gone. The location things, the TV gigs were all cancelled. If if I could, if the the uh, the companies and the clients were satisfied that I could do it decent enough quality in my own studio, they'd let me do the narrations and the voices for right. the shows, which is you know mainly this kind of like you know, yeah this kind of a voice. So it wasn't too much of a production kind of like hassle for me. And then the TV, they said, well, you can do it in your own studio. So can you do your segments from on? Yeah. But that was like I've gone from like 30, 40 gigs a month to like yeah. six gigs. Whoa. And. I wasn't concerned about the financial. I mean, the financial hit, yeah. You know, there's no such thing as cancellation fees in the, in the corona world, you know. Oh. That's a thing of the past. But um, when that's all taken away from you, you've got you, the, this dual thing. You've, I'm worried about family. 
I'm trying to keep home together, but then I've got my own issues. And so when, you know, my daughter's kind of like in a room doing whatever, I'm sat there going like, you know, oh, be on the veranda, yeah. Sat there and have, a, have one beer and think. Yeah. Two beers and think. Yeah. Three beers and think. <laughs> Four, five, six beers. Oh, let's go and get some more from the only shop open, which is either 7-Eleven or Don Quixote. Bang. Yeah. Get another six pack. You're up till four in the morning on the veranda because I've got a beautiful There's a lot of things there. to think about, you know. The Nothing. more you drink, the but more they, you think, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, then you, you get kind of high, right? You're like, yeah, I'm Corona, man. I'll be fine, you know. <laughs> All these things. So then that was kind of began, the, that, began that process. Plus yeah. another thing uh, I found was, I, I, I'm a pretty, pretty decent cook and I, and I always love cooking. Yeah. Never really have the time to do that much. And it's very Japanese-based cooking. I really, I'm really particular about ingredients, spend a lot of money on ingredients and so on. We don't eat out a lot for that reason. Mm -hmm. We prefer, prefer the things at home. Nice. Which is, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But <laughs> famous last words, crack open a bottle <laughs> and start cooking with a bottle of sake. Oh, you yeah. just, I'll have one, I'll have two. And yeah. the, you know, once again, you, you're sampling your own food and cooking. Yeah, and, you know, and yeah. Then all this kind of stuff. I mean, just all that. Just, but it's also good. Cycle. I mean, it is also good times to be able to do that. I mean, think about it. I actually think, I mean, personally, so many good things came out of Corona. I mean, a lot mm. of bad things came out, but great things happened for yeah. me. So I'm like, I'm, I actually feel blessed in somehow that the yeah. world kind of got like big kick in the ass, basically. Um, but yeah, depression, right? I mean, yeah. it, but it does hit everyone hard. Obviously, the financial was like one of those things. You're like, yeah, well, of course, I'm not so worried, but everyone's worried. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course, you know, I thought yeah. I was going to lose my gym, and yeah. I, said, I didn't know if the cash flow was going to keep us alive. And yeah. then we got the the grants from the government, and yeah. kind of like <laughs> kind of floated through it. So it was okay. Doesn't how's like lasted? Like you know, yeah, we got a proper you know proper business. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it shanking? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but like yeah, it didn't last. <laughs> Too many things. So my advice. Yes. My advice in the situations like this is mm -hmm. to review. Two things, your sleeping patterns mm. and also your connection with food, your emotional attachment to food and drinks that mm. you're going through. Mm. So if you could kind of revise them and say, okay, if I'm going to eat food that I like, you only, the only thing that you really got to consider is like the portions of yeah. it. How, how much you actually eat? Because when you're not moving and you're sitting in a chair all day long and you're not like rushing down to the train station, rushing over here on stage, doing all these things, because that would be your fitness. Mm -hmm, exactly. right? I, and also I, I do training as well. And, yeah. I'm not, yeah. and so, so you take that away, right? So you, you're generally speaking over a whole week or a month, right? You're moving one third or one quarter of what you normally used to move yeah. physically, right? So I went down to two meals a day. Mm. Cooked super clean meals. I still drink because it was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm like having great fun, you know, sitting there trying to learn how to edit, you know. Like, <laughs> With whiskey. Hey, uh, hey, dumbfounded media, how do I do? Uh, uh, how do I do an ending for may this? Maybe, maybe Nikki should stop drinking when you're editing for a start, right? That's the first thing he told me. <laughs> but yeah, and then also like, what are you drinking? Yeah. Again, right? So yeah. and so and so, what I was saying is so. The portions of the food and mm -hmm. also what you're drinking because you get less calories from other alcohols like beer is like the worst ever. Yeah. Like it, it, I gain weight from just thinking about drinking beer, <laughs> you know, and then also making like a sleeping pattern thing where it's like, okay, how much can you actually like, how much should you be sleeping? Like, and mm -hmm. I'd say eight hours. If yeah, you yeah. can get eight hours, yeah. so like just shut it down, make it really dark, you know, close the door and have no distractions, no, you know, lights around you and all that stuff. And yeah. then you can also turn on athletic sleep, by the way. All right. Yeah. Made by Dumbfounded Media. Athletic sleep. <laughs> we can just do a voice over that. It's on YouTube. Athletic sleep on YouTube. But it's fun because yes. if you get that sleep, 
your stress levels, like hormonal stress levels go down. Go down. And then if you try and like, you know, maybe write down what you're eating and drinking mm -hmm. because then you're accountable for what you're putting yes. in your mouth. Yes. It's the easiest thing to do for, for, I would say for people around your age, our age, mm -hmm. when it starts, okay, it's got to make like a drastic change in your life, right? Mm. Um, and then eventually you could start thinking of doing like small workouts in your house and doing stretch routines and stuff like that mm -hmm. because it'll activate some kind of, you know, uh, hormonal like discharge that yeah. makes you feel stress relieved, right? Mm. And then you don't have to go on those massive binge drinks and, and eat all that food that you want to eat, right? Fair so enough. this is all I would say to you. And this is the easiest way to lose weight. One question. Yes. 16, eight. Yeah. Uh, fasting. What do you think fasting? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it works for a lot of people. Uh, it's pretty much what I and the fiance are doing now. We're on two meals a day. Um, okay. It's just because it, it works on our schedule. Good. You know, we wake up in the morning. Uh, she doesn't eat breakfast. It's like, it's a good story, actually. I'm going to tell it to you because you're on the show. So when I proposed to her, I said, I want you to eat breakfast with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> this is the first thing that went wrong that day. The second thing that went wrong was I gave her a ring where she just looked at that thing. It was up, so I've spoken about this ring several times on the show. Don't worry about it. So it wasn't the ring she was hoping for. And then she goes, I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> But knowing your fiance quite well as I do, that would mean, yes, please, for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Good. so, yeah, we quit breakfast. Good. And so you could do either one. And then we, and then we come home around noon or between like 12 or 1 mm -hmm. after we work it out in a gym. Mm. And then we'll have like a, you know, a good breakfast. That, we, that would be the breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. Or you'd call it lunch or whatever. Mm. And then we try to eat our last meal before 5 p.m. or before 6 p.m. Okay. So there's a really small a window, really right? Idea. Between yeah. 12, you know, you can yeah. have coffee down here before mm. that. She has coffee. I have coffee, you know. Mm. So you have like uh, from 12 to like 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then you have all those hours, you know. Right, I'm, I'm like 12, between 12 and 8, I have two mm -hmm. and a little bit in the middle. Yeah. Um, and just recently I've cut, well, not completely, but I've cut mm -hmm. some of the beers out for yeah. uh, non-alcoholic beer, which is quite oh, nice. fantastic. I've never really been a big, let's drink at home every day kind of thing, person yeah. at all. This is what happened with Corona. Yeah. Up until that point, I would, I would happily go without alcohol for months. I actually didn't drink for five years because I had a, an operation on my oh, uh, okay. on my vocal cords. I had polyps on my vocal cords and then they found another set, all related, related to acid reflux. Oh. So that when I was sleeping, the, the acid, acidity was coming up and burning my vocal cords which meant I got polyps in between the vocal cords. Ooh. When they can't close, they can't make a sound. So that's, that. you know, your voice is gone. So I did two surgeries on that and oh. gave up booze for five years until that they said you can drink so again. Scary. And you can do, all you can drink is either craft beer or Nihonshu. Eh? Sake or craft beer. That's Why? It. Because of the, just in the brewing processes and the, okay. and the, the, the uh, well, what do you call it, the, the fermenting processes in craft beer. Are you sure you couldn't do like tequila? No. Everything else other than and beer and, and this is the... Tequila is made from cacti, right? From agave. Right there you go. But this is I, I won't even name people the hospital. doing paleo. They're like, yeah, you could drink tequila because tequila is paleo, and it's just like yeah, okay. it's like there. I don't know. It could be something you could look into. I will look into. It. I, I'm not a doctor. Just don't no, take no. my advice for it. And, and I had a really, really good team from a really, really top. Well, the, the Tokyo Voice Clinic, Voice Center, I should say. Sorry, great, great people. They they stayed with there. me for years. Shinagawa. No, no, it's in Nogizaka. Okay, there's, two, there's, there's a couple with, with similar names, but this is the one in Nogizaka oh. in Sanno Hospital. And they have a really good team, like a really proper team with, with uh, nutritionists, yeah. rehabilitation, voice rehabilitation people and so on. And so they put together a really, really good package. Nice. Mm. But they said, well, you can drink sake. Or cause craft Because if you can eat rice, you can drink sake. If it's not affecting right. your voice when you're eating rice, then it's not going to affect it if you're drinking sake. Because hmm. it's not the alcohol that's causing the problem, they said. Interesting. Mm. I want to ask beer. you about this alcohol. Mm. Then. So alcohol and like, because in Japan, right, mm. as a culture, 
it is. Uh, it seems that alcohol is a very big factor of people's lives. Yes, it is. Um, mostly the salarymen, they use it for you know relaxations and being able to talk to their peers and colleagues and bosses and you know mm. whatever. And then and then they always come home drunk at night. <laughs> and so it's it's just like part of the culture to drink it all the time. Mm. Uh, personally, and this is going to be uh, a little bit hard for me to come open with and be clean about, but I've been a highly functional alcoholic for many years. Mm. My mom's going to hate me for saying this, but it's just the way it is. I always get up in the morning, I work out, do my things, I do business, you know, I made a successful business and everything, get home at night, you know, let me loose. I just like do whatever I want. And then it's just like the whiskey or the, the gin tonics or whatever it is, right? And for me, it was also part of, it started way back in the day when I was still married and and during those times, when the marriage wasn't going so good because I hit, you know, um, I hit it twice hard when I broke my leg. I snapped my shin in half, yeah. basically. And so I couldn't walk uh, on, on my leg for, for six months. Mm. So I was in a wheelchair and stuff like that. And that time also, so I know exactly what you went through with, COVID mm. with the beer. Mm -hmm. So I was drinking beer and, and just any kind of alcohol. And I went from being super fit at 99 to 102 kilo body weight. To 122 kilos Whoa. in six months. In six months. Yeah, when I got off the crutches and started walking, and but I was doing, I was only doing two things. I was writing on my book and drinking alcohol, mm. and like literally just take from my my computer to the bathroom to the bed. And that's it. Mm. And so I went, but I lost all that weight again and started fighting. I went back to fighting eventually, mm. um, but that was like one of the one of the times where I was like, oh okay, this is I'm just drinking myself to a fucking stupor because mm. I hated myself. Mm. It's like you say, if yeah. you take that stage away from someone. They take my fighting away from me. My my every, my, th my my whole life had been stolen from me. Yeah. Because my best weapon was a low kick, and I'd broken my own leg by kicking another guy on his leg. Right. And so it was like going through a massive identity crisis. The second time that hit was when I, I had my hip replaced, mm. and so it was in so much pain. It's a long story. We're not going to go over it here. But so I started drinking hard again, and then my marriage was also in really rough situation. Mm. Couldn't fight. Take the money away. My sponsor you know, let me go. And it's just like, you know, all she said was, well, you'll figure it out, won't you? Because she hasn't worked ever since we were married. And oh, I'm just yeah. like, now I got to figure it out. That's like, <laughs> with, a, with a, you know, a replaced hip and no way to fight and make money. Yeah. And then, so that kind of was the beginning of the end of that marriage. So yeah. I also got divorced and just got out of it eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it just kind of stays with you for a while, but yeah. that, that wanting to like fog out the world, you know, mm -hmm. just like, okay, and go to bed and sleep and then wake up and you just do whatever you got to do and then fog out the world again. So that worked for me for a long, long time. And I think it's a lot of people in Japan that do this. Um, and I think a lot of people are very highly functional, but they're all alcoholics. You're right. I, I think because of the, the way that, say, the hair of the dog is considered here in Japan. If you say mukaizake in a Japanese setting, everyone thinks it's hilarious. Hey, some people in the West would pull you aside and say, are you sure you <laughs> drink it like you did? It's first yeah. thing in the morning is a good idea, but here it's just like, it's a, it's a, it's a laugh. Yeah. You know? One thing I found really, really similar, and it's kind of a depression, and I do also have, I believe, an alcoholic personality because... I'm actually having to substitute the damn thing for uh, non-alcoholic drinks and so right. on. And I'm conscious of this. It's, a, it's an effort I have to make. Yeah. So I think we're, we're very similar in that respect. Um, and I love the idea of just having a, having a cup of sake or some beers and it's just like, yeah, you know, great, let's have a great time kind of thing. Yeah. It's always like a carnival, if you like. But with my gig, when I, when I get to a point when, I've, when I was kind of doubting, you, it's like a sports person. Yeah. You, you sometimes doubt your form. You could be doing the same show as a, I'm blessed to have a couple of shows that have been going for longer than a decade. You know, you've been doing it every week or several times a week for, for more than 10 years or whatever, and you, you can do it in your sleep, but yeah. then suddenly one day you can't do it. Mm. You get in the studio and you can't speak. Mm. 
it just it doesn't work anymore. You stand on the stage and you're like, you find your hands are trembling because you, you're kind of like, you've got fear. It's like, where is this coming from? Yeah. I wish I could find, where's where's this nerve kind of beginning of this butterfly? Where the hell is it flying around in my gut? Yeah. And you want to shut that out and you think, well, if I have a, a bit of a shot before I go on, yeah. it, that'll go. It's the Dutch courage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So oh, I, yeah, I did that's that. That's what they for, call it, yeah. So it got to a point where that was kind of also, you know, like a, a snowballing effect for me as well. I'd be like, yeah, I, you know, I can do it with a, with a beer. If I have a tiny, you know, these tiny cans there, yeah. buy one can of beer, have that before you go in the studio, and you just bang, knock it like you normally do. And then you go on stage, okay, and you're like, well, I might need a, yeah, I had a beer this morning and that worked, but I'm going to need something stronger to go on stage this evening. How about, yeah, sake, you right. know, before you stand on stage and say, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, ah, like, you know, bang, and that just kind of once again, that took off. And, and it made it worse because you, you've got, you're not, kind of going back to the root of the problem saying, you know, hey, work on your skill sets again or whatever. You're you're blotting that all out and saying, well, hey, the booze is doing it for me. I don't need to work as hard anymore. Mm. But when you don't have that booze, you're kind of like, oh, oh, hang on a sec. I'm lost without it. What am I doing? So I'm like, thank goodness I got my home studio to do some major work. And I'm just like, man, get in that studio. And if it takes you 150 times, 150 takes, damn, we'll do it until you've got it. And then you'll get your mojo back. So I've had to really... Really, really forced myself. And it's one TV gig I, I did. And there's a really hard part of the script that usually I could do. It's all in Japanese. But usually I could I could not sail through it, but I'd get through it, right? The life of me, it just didn't work. And I did it, at, like I said, not 150 times. But I probably, I probably yeah. did about 60 takes of the same thing. It's a three-minute segment. Wow. Over and over and over again. And, and it was just like, you know, and I was like going in, into the, the the bathroom in my home studio, which is separate from the house, and I, you know, throw yeah. up or whatever, because I'm just like, man, what is wrong? Why can't you do this? You've been doing this for years. It's yeah. nothing that you don't normally do. Right. So I had to kind of fight with the, the demons there and then yeah. also fight with the, what the booze was, I thought, giving me, and it wasn't giving me. And but, so but, I had so how's your how is your relationship with alcohol now? Now it's back under control again. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. yeah. It was, it was really, yeah, it was probably... About, I don't know, a year before COVID that yeah. I was finding I was starting oh, to wow. make it up. Yeah. I, I've been there. Um, yeah. I mean, it reminds me of another thing, your story. I, mm. I, I was in a K1 fight. I'm not going to say the hider's name, right? But yeah. before he went in and fought a very big name, um, him and his whole team, they just pulled out a bottle of vodka and then they're all doing five, six shots. And before, he in, before the Right wow. before walking into the fight. And I was like, wow. oh man, that guy's nuts. <laughs> I just couldn't understand it. But yeah, so I, I remember because my dad was an alcoholic. Um, and he passed away when I was very, very young, uh, probably because of drug abuse and alcoholism. Mm. So my mom is very against it. And I also yeah. been, been actually struggling with it. Right. Even though I, I call myself a function, functional, uh, highly functional, uh, you know, alcoholic. It's mm. like, the thing is, um, there are those days when you've partied so hard and then you wake up the next morning and it's just like, instead of just having that glass of water, Oh, I just have another beer. Yeah, the dog. I mean, I swear, man, I've like. Being drunk for three days in a row sometimes yeah. and just going, when is this going to stop? Yes. And, and I get to the point where I was like, I don't know how to stop it. Yeah, It's just like, whoa. And that's yeah. when I feel the devil is really taking over me. Yes. And so yes. I try my best, like for real, to not do that. Like wake up the next day and, and get on with life as, as, as much as possible. Yeah. Get, no matter how hard it is, like to get up and just get, get to the gym. Or do the but right. That's thing. the only thing you can do. Once yeah. you fall off the bike or fall off the horse, you've just got to get back on it again yeah. and go back to what you're, you know, what you're normally able to do without yeah. any of that. Exactly. Because I, I also do. I, there, you know, there were times when I'm when I'm not say needed on a particular day. Yeah, you know, oh, it's eleven o'clock. Yeah, it's a lovely day. Let's go to the park. Especially at the moment, you know, the temptations yeah. there. Go to the park with a few beers. Have a yeah. barbecue. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to drink outside. Yeah. 
So the temptation is always there. So I'm, I'm yeah, very much with you on that. And, mm. I, and I think, yeah, once you can win the battle, then you, you know. Yeah, I think so. And I think you know, the, the support of friends is also yes. super important. Like, yes. you know, some sometimes, you know, you have friends and they're just like, dude, man, when they when they pull you to the side and they go, hey, they're yeah. like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, yeah. But yeah, yeah one, one particular good friend did the same thing. Uh, we have come to the part of the show where we're going to deep dive right into your social media. So into I, my social media, all right. Yeah, so I've picked out three different <laughs> photos. <laughs> all right. And uh, I just want to tell you, I mean, I want you to tell us exactly what is actually going on here. You ready for the first one? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this, the beauty of having no hair is you've got basically a blank canvas. Yeah. Right? So uh, I can't remember where it was. It was, it was years and years and years ago. I'm being the super moon. This <laughs> is so funny. Because like, I, so, so I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've taken a, like a, like a, I think a studio selfie where I was wearing like a, like a, what do you call like a trainer? Because uh -huh. sometimes in the studio, I, I, if, if, you know, like a, if the, the headphones, some of the, the, the settings are really quite kind of yeah. like uh, toppy, if you like. The, okay. the, the high tones are quite high. So I'll wear a hoodie and put the headphones over the top of that so it doesn't oh, really kind of okay. like, you know, start squealing in my head. Um, and so I took a photo <laughs> of the hoodie, then blacked out the rest of the thing around it. This and then so put funny. it up in the, the, the morning after the super moon. Oh, hilarious. And a lot, I do that a lot with a super moon. I did the pink one recently. Oh, <laughs> wow. Shaded it in pink with an app. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that was good. Uh, so next photo. This, this I actually know what happens here, but uh, I kind of want to just like hear you tell us a story because this I think is hilarious too. Ah, all right. <laughs> now I have this home studio I've been telling you about uh -huh. during today's, yeah. uh, today's talk. And um, I kind of spent a bit of money on making sure everything was sorted as far as the soundproofing is concerned and the mics and so on and so forth. Got it all sorted wonderfully. And yeah. what happens? I live in Megara, right on Megara River. Yeah. The, the, whoever's in, in charge of, of transport in this country has decided <laughs> to fly planes to Hanada right over the top of our house. Yeah, from they 3 fly. PM to exactly. 5 PM. They fly over my house too. They do. So annoying. I remember I thought the first time it happened, I was like, because I was literally sitting on the balcony going, mm, I was like, whoa, cool, an airplane. <laughs> and then like two minutes later, they just <laughs> keep coming. I was like, what is this? The thing is, you, you probably noticed as well, there's not just one route. There's two running at the same time, about, I don't know, a kilometer apart from each other. But they're both kind of straddling our house, if you like, either oh. side. So uh, the, the the money I'd spent on getting, you know, the, the government said, okay, we'll give you some money to invest in your studio and so on and so forth with, the, with our, uh, what was it, our um, our Xiankin, uh, yeah. our grants. And then they decided to do that. So it's it's worthless, basically. So I bought this little kind of booth, which is only... It's called the uh, Isovox, huh. and it's only kind of bust upright. Yeah. So I put that into the vocal booth, so I've got like double padding. Nice. But the, the problem is, I'm of you know a decent age where my eyesight is kind of uh -huh, like, and I'm getting uh -huh. the, the the what is it? The, is yeah, it the I long got the glasses on. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the the depth, if you like, is not deep enough. Oh, so you so can't I, so I've see not, it. I couldn't see it at the beginning, no. so I had to like kind of like every script is either tiny and I put the glasses on or I blow the, <laughs> the letters <laughs> up to like you know, triple the size and I can only do like do two sentences at a time. Oh, but that's, that's that. Yeah, that's and that actually does work now. So I'm, yeah, I've uh, solved okay. the problem. So the last one, right? Because this <laughs> one, it's like, okay, I'm not quite sure how to present it other than just flash it out there. <laughs> <laughs> what yes. is going on here? I mean, right. seriously, what are you wearing there? <laughs> I'm uh, Okay, the girl on the, if you look at the picture, she'll be on the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. She's a burlesque uh, performer. Okay. And her name is Luna. We're going to do up of you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I thought, okay. There's this really beaut but really, really tiny event called Dr. Sketchy's Tokyo. Uh -huh. Right. Now, um... 
it's a really good event because it's it's trying to get young performers uh, and so on on the stage. And a lot of these people aren't really paid that well. And a mate of mine took over the event itself. It's a tie, it's only like, I need about 20, 30 people come. And uh, just because of COVID and so on, they were doing really, really hard. And they, they said to me, would you mind coming and trying to like, you know, just inject some energy into the thing because right. it's dying a death. So they rebooted it in, I think, March of this year. Mm -hmm. And then she was uh, the performer on the day. Right. Every time I try to match my costume to the name of the performer. So mm -hmm. like if it's Valentine, for example, the, the one before was Valentine somebody. So I had a big heart suit right. that I would wear for a kid's show for a Valentine's show, right? Yeah. So, and then <laughs> I thought her name is Luna, so space, space? Luna, uh, alien. Yeah. Lunatic. So you get on. <laughs> that's that's definitely in there as well. So I got on. Uh, I got on Amazon. <laughs> nice. Now how and many suits do you actually have? Because oh, I know you have like nice. a mayonnaise man. Mayonnaise. Do you have a, a chicken man. Yes, mayonnaise. Two chickens. Two chickens. Two chickens. Yes. And yeah. a, I've seen you with like in a strawberry thing. It looks like. Yeah, strawberry. Yes, you're right there. Uh, I've got an apple as well. I got an a apple? Valentine's <laughs> suit. I got a huge uh, soccer ball, a football. Uh huh. I, I did a whole bunch of Champion Leagues <laughs> events back in the day, so I'd walk on stage with the, with the soccer ball. <laughs> in, or Diver, you know, like this is, there's 2,000 people there at a viewing site, and I was like, hundred and twenty, like, you know, come on to this, this huge kind of, a, <laughs> you know, uh, soccer ball. But yeah, I've got, yeah, oh, yeah, loads. And then smaller ones like like right. the alien here, like, you know, it's just the bodysuit and a cape. Yeah, that's and, just uh, and hilarious. Like, glasses, you do some funny stuff. You guys should <laughs> definitely check out the social media. It is hilarious. And what's with the trains? Yeah. What's okay. with the unoccupied trains that you're you always see, in? You see, Nicholas, you should know yourself. Being a celebrity. Oh yes. You just call up JR and you say, Oh, I'm going to I'm going up to, to Minami Sandiku oh, yes. uh, to do a soul train. Can I get one carriage maybe, you know, closer to the stairs, so seven or eight? Yeah. Can we book that out for this? Oh yeah, certainly Mr. O. Mr. Stuart o. o. Yes, yes, of course. Stuart o. So they, yeah. they book out the whole carriage for me, or if it's a plane, I do the same thing. And a J I ask oh, yes, I or ANAs, or you know, I, I do great work with with uh, ANA Odyssey Japan. They'll be back up soon. I'm, I'm it's sure. Fantastic. No, please, <laughs> we'll give you the whole plane or the whole left side. So I go in and I've got my own private thing. You see, with you, you should, I'll give you the number after the show. Oh, thank you. I've very got much. the Linkai line. I've got JR. I've got. <laughs> fantastic. Actually, what it is though I, I, is, is um years and years and years and years and years ago I was. First, I was first on or last off a Shinkansen. I thought for a good laugh, take a, a selfie of okay. me in, a, in an empty train and say, oh, you know, thanks, JR, for the fantastic VIP ride today. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. And it got such a great response. It's hilarious, by the way. Yeah. It, 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 it's it, so but, bizarre that there's but, so many empty trains you're in. But that's the thing. <laughs> and it's just by luck. <laughs> Since then, the gods have been going like, oh, let's, let's take this for a ride, won't we? So every time I get into something, well, not every time, but I'd say even like a little Yamanote line, for example. Mm. You know, the other week mm. I was riding, I did three gigs out towards Otemachi Kanda area, yeah. and I live in Meguro, so I got on the, there's no one on the train. Wow. After Shinagawa, no one gets on. I'm like, put the camera on the seats opposite, yeah. sit there and go like, oh, thanks, JR, they gave me the Yamanote line today, because I'm doing all these gigs <laughs> on the Yamanote line. So this just took off, and, and the, the people who follow me on, on social media, they all thought it was a laugh. I love, I love it. Hundreds of photos there. Yeah, but it just, I love it. By chance. Wow. I get so many empty trains and planes and <laughs> buses and so on. But so anyway, you said it yourself, Santa Soul Train. Yes. What is Santa Soul Train? How did you get involved? And just tell us what it is for you. All right. For me, uh, you've talked about Santa Soul Train on this show before. I'm mm -hmm. sure you have. I, I, yep. I saw it with Angela. And um, the uh, the... Uh, PTG, Place to Grow Organization. Yep. Uh, I knew Angela socially and then through events and so on for a couple of years. And she said, look, I've got this event and it's good, but we just kind of need something to kick it along. Would you mind coming and emceeing and then maybe doing some kind of little finale show? Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, all right, okay, good. And on about two hours sleep, we went up there and I, and I saw this room full of people who have been through so much trauma. I mean, I cannot no. imagine. I mean, I know how it is, you know, kind of like you know, when, when, the, when my place shakes, you know, but they yeah. had towns wiped out, oh, families. For the Tomas who don't yeah, know sorry. Place to Grow is, Place to Grow is a, an NPO that works yes. with uh, Minami Sandiku up in uh, Tohoku area, Tohoku, Miyagi, where Miyagi. the 311 tsunami hit. So they were on the ground two days, three days after that tsunami hit and like had been just, you know, bringing water, food, supplies and everything. And it mm -hmm. evolved and it's been going on for 10 years now. That's right. What, what they so, did is they, they did a, a yearly Christmas party right. for free. They threw up, they, they got together with one of the, the local large hotels. Yes. There. They've got a big convention hall and they opened it up every Christmas and they had the, the U.S. forces were involved in this. They had a whole bunch of international schools, yeah. uh, other MPOs and so on were getting involved in making this day for the local people. Right. And, and when it, did you get involved? What year uh, was this? 2013, I think, was the first one, or 2014. So it was quite, wow, it was so the quite second early or third on. Year. Yeah. yeah. But the events... Did you know Konishiki was up there once then? I was, well, I was with Konishiki up oh, there. Oh, really? He was, yeah, we were oh, doing, we did cool. a show together as well up there. Nice, yeah. we should yeah. do like a, a reunion here. Yeah, we should, <laughs> yes. And we've done a few things together over the years. Yeah, huh. so it'd be good to see him again. Yeah, we were Anyway, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. no, no, sorry. <laughs> but um, Angela explained to me that the event wasn't really taking off. They needed some kind of spark. Yeah. So I thought, well, okay, the, the, the kids up there, some of them knew me from my work on... Uh, children's TV on right. Edge Games. I'm like, okay, let's do something kind of the kids would really get into. And when I was emceeing during the day part of the event, I, I saw um, it was really, I don't know, there wasn't really much to bring all these people together. They're all in their separate neighborhood groups, if you like. Mm -hmm. The foreigners and the Japanese were interacting, but not really, really interacting, you know. And I thought, okay, there's one show I do, which I get everybody on the floor to become cast members. Mm. I had so many people during the day saying, ah, oh, you probably won't get much of a reaction because they're in, you know, they, they're kind of like in what they call jushuku mode here in Japan, yeah. which is like you're not supposed to show you, you know, feelings and express yourself. You're supposed oh, to be man. keeping calm. They had no and idea I'm, not, I'm like, no, 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 this thing, <laughs> not on my watch, I'm sorry. No, I'm, you know, I respect it, but I'm not going to have that. There's no way that's going to happen. And just one of these kind of like magic moments when I said, right, everybody on your feet, everyone stood up. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to come on the floor. You're going to put your hands on, you know, the, the soul train concept, put your hands on the hips of the person in front of you. We're going to make a huge chain and we're going to go round and round and round. And then I'm going to drag you up on stage and you're going to be on my back dancers. I explained it in that way. And it, they, it, it's like they were waiting for this to happen. They were right. waiting for some kind of reason to like, to, to yell and scream and whatever. And it just took off. And then you've got these old people coming up at the end of the, the, the gig. I haven't seen my grandchild smile for three years. Like literally really like, you know, in tears thanking me for this. Yeah. It's like, well, this has got to be continued. So we've taken it to, a, to Kumamoto, we've taken it to Fukushima, and, you know, we, yeah, we, and then COVID comes along and, you know, bang, yeah. the, the doors. But they wanted me to go up this year. Yeah. No, sorry, last year. They wanted me to go up and do like a long-distance version, mm. but I was kind of worried about the COVID situation right. and I was worried about bringing maybe something back to my family or taking something from Tokyo yeah. without knowing. So yeah. we, we, I didn't go in the end last year. I would have loved yeah, to. Yeah, it's like really put the world on hold here. For, it's so annoying, by the way. It is annoying. Yeah. Hugely annoying. But the Santa Soul Train is something, what I want to do is rebirth it using rope. Now, good good viewers and listeners, now if you are really going to be on, on side with me, I would love for everyone here to get involved with this. And sorry just to throw this at you. Yeah, like this. absolutely. Um, I've kind of come up with the concept of what you can do as far as social distancing is concerned with a skipping rope. Mm. Usually a skipping rope is about a five-meter uh, diameter. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Depending on the length of the rope. Sorry, yeah. on the length <laughs> of the rope. So you can actually be your, your two meters front, back, and either side 
with a large si- a large size skipping rope if you make a circle on the ground, right? Yeah. So if you've got an, an empty auditorium with 200 people, 300 people, whatever, and they've all got a, a, a large adult size skipping rope, they can all make their own circles, safe yeah. circles to be in. Then to make one of these soul trains, you take one part of your rope in front of you and you lift that up and you hold the, the, the person's right, right, behind right, you, yeah. if you like. So you've got one rope in your, the hand in front of you, one behind you. That's also keeping a distance, decent social distance with the person in front of you. And you can have a huge soul train wow. using ropes, skipping ropes. Yeah. So I want people to donate skipping ropes for the PTG Santa Soul Train rope version. Um, I'd really like that. Very um, on point because we donated a lot of skipping ropes last year. Oh. The whole thing, for because of the COVID, the situation was they were doing exchange letters between uh, international students and the kids up in San, you know, San, San Diego. Yeah. And so we uh, we made fundraising, or I helped with fundraising. Yeah. Uh, I donated, um, I think it was 20,000 yen. Um, and so for 20,000 yen, you could get 200 jump ropes. Yes. And so we sent, I think, I don't know the, the exact numbers. We'll probably find out and get the real number. But there was like more than 1,000 uh, jump ropes donated last right. year. Right. Yeah. So they have the jump ropes. They have the jump ropes. <laughs> okay, so we, we maybe don't need your, your kindness, but yeah. They have the jump ropes. That's great. Yeah. So that I want to employ that and try and you know get this kind of this rope thing. But they need to be a certain size. I didn't. I went. Did you park. do it outside? Maybe like yeah, in a big yeah. park. For See, example? that's the thing. Yes, yes. That's what I'd like to secure. Then you you've got your your weather maybe an issue or may not be yeah. an issue. So you also need a backup venue or maybe not. Maybe some somebody can donate some tarpaulins and <laughs> some poles and so on. But you know, seriously, I did a, a few uh, experiments with this, if you like, outside and marked out what I would think would be a, a decent size yeah. rope. So I don't know whether it's a five meter rope or a seven meter rope. I mean, you know I much think, more. Uh, well, jump ropes, if you're thinking about it, they're about uh, 180 to 220 centimeters long. Okay. So they're not that long, actually. They're because high- you, you, I mean, you're swinging around your body. If it's five meters, then you're swinging a massive rope. Right, because I found these massive ones, w- yeah. which if you would put them in a, r- a round circle, yeah. They could be, be the ones they use, you know, when they do like they hold them yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and they do that, the, the jump rope chicks and oh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you seem, and I I mean, your energy is fantastic when you talk <laughs> about it, but it's charity work, right? Yeah. So you're not getting paid for this. No. You're donating your time and your love for it. Yeah. What is, um, if you had to like say two things, because I mean, is there a downside to charity work? No. Great. Well, then what's the best thing that happened apart from kids, moms and grandparents coming up and, and thanking you? What is well, like, I'm not really looking for the, the thanks. For me, yeah. I would just, I don't know, I, um, I, just, I hope this doesn't come, come the wrong way, come across the wrong way as an arrogant thing to say. But I've noticed over all these years, whether people rate you as an entertainer or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Once you're stood on stage or once you're in a studio, the reactions I get is what I see. Whether yeah. I'm doing something in a TV studio and you've got the camera crew going like, yeah, it's great. Or in a narration booth, you know, and I'm maybe doing you know, something just like this. You've got a director who's like, oh, I'm hiring this guy again. Or you're on stage and you've got all these people going like, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of happy or maybe fortunate that I've been kind of born with this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I see that reaction. And I'm like, okay, this is doing something to people. And I've been able to live, well, pay for my life, put my daughter through university, private school, buy a house, all this stuff through, through what I've been born with. Yeah. Not really knowing what it is, but there is something happening there. Yeah. So if I've been blessed with that, then I've, kind of got to use it, give back with it. But I'm not kind of like, well, oh, Stiato, thank you so much. I'm not, that's not what I, I'd prefer not to have that said to be honest yeah. with because it makes me a bit conscious. Mm. I would like to know, I would like to, like to see people, you know, like, you know, the smile. I mean, you know, you've got kids. Yeah. You know, if you've got kids, you, you'll understand as well. If, if your daughter or your son or whatever is, is sat there like, oh, and depressed and crying, 
You want to do something to make them feel good, not for you, yeah. but for them. Because yeah. you cannot stand to see, you know, kids or, or anyone that you love crying. Even people you don't even know. An old lady was sat on the, the, the near the station the other day and she was in tears. And I, I, just, and I went, well, I'm going to leave her. You know, I shouldn't be stopping by during cover times and asking her whether she's okay or not. And I went by and I'm like, no, I've got to go back. Because mm. she's crying about something and, she, and she's just like, I can't remember where my house is. I'm just, this is the first time ever. I, and she's like, she, it ended up, she was a neighbor of mine. I had no idea because right. she's like, we, yeah, it's quite a built up area. But had I not gone and asked her, is she okay? Yeah. You know, she would have been sat there for quite a while in tears yeah. on a bench. And she would have been like 75 maybe. You don't want to see anyone in that situation. No. So for me, if I've been given this, getting back to the soul train and, and charity work, something I've got, I've been given, if I'm able to use that, that that's, that's just great. I mean, Paying it's it forward, because eh? it's if, beautiful. Well, it's paying it forward, but also if there weren't anything such as money in the world, if we didn't need money for transactions to live or whatever, I'd be doing all this stuff anyway. Because I mean, it's what you love doing. You would be too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it wasn't about the, the prize fight, or it wasn't about the you know the gym, the runnings, the, the you know paying your staff and all that, if you didn't have to use money in this world, you'd still be doing what you're doing now. You wouldn't be sat there drinking gin and tonics on a veranda. You'd be out doing your fitness stuff. You'd be out teaching people. You'd be out doing your, your, your training, and you'd be out doing your, your your sport. And I'd be on stage or in front of a mic or you know yeah, behind a camera, or whatever. Now it's a funny question you take the money out of it. Okay, so let's just say you had unlimited access to money. What would mm. you do with it? With the money? Yeah. Finance what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. so that I can kind of continue doing this. Right. Without having to worry about negotiating, as we spoke at the beginning, right. having to go up against the major production companies and saying, well, my fee is this. You want <laughs> to pay this? Well, then let's kind of bargain. And this is a waste of my damn time. <laughs> Sit here for three hours bargaining with you. I'd rather be in the studio doing it. But, you know, here we go. We have to do this. If I could take that out of the equation. Think bigger. Yeah, unlimited access. Bigger, unlimited access. Unlimited. Unlimited. Billions access. of dollars. King of the world. All right. What would you do? First of all, there's probably two things. I'd make sure my family's taken care of. Yeah. Everybody. For life. That's relatives, whatever. Everyone I know if I had unlimited access. Unlimited. Right? Okay. That's one thing. Second of all, I'd really like to make some kind of a safe something. Whether uh -huh. there be a safe suburb or a safe building where people who are like getting away from disaster or abuse yeah. or dealing with, you know, issues or whatever. Yeah. If, if, that, if I could make a really bang, huge, you know, bang on place where people could go and they know if they'd go there that they'd be taken care of. Yeah. You know, that would be really cool. Because you think so many people you don't know yeah. are out there kind of like dealing with all sorts of different issues and they've got nowhere to go. And that's not just because it's Japan and there's less uh, like charity, if you like, or, or there's less willingness of, for people to admit mm. that they need some kind of help. But it's like anything. You know, um, I do a bunch of stuff, and I, I've never said this. I, I go to orphanages to do little tiny you know, shows for 10, say, girls between the age of 11 to 15 who've, been, who've run away from home or been abused like you would not believe. I yeah. don't know how, how you could ever do that to your own flesh and blood. But anyway, these kids have, are in a, an institution, so I'll go in there and do like, you know, a little one-hour kind of gig with them, a little like make a take a plastic guitar yeah. and just do silly songs, and all pre-programmed stuff, and just have them laugh and and whatever you know. I go to into cancer wards, leukemia wards, where kids, like little tiny kids, can't get out. Yeah, they can't really have that many visitors either. Visitors either. So I'll go in and do little shows for you know four or five kids. If these people had somewhere they could go mm. and know that they're going to have warmth and fun and not kind of like you know, I don't know. Um, some people do these things, those kind of safe spaces and charity work and so on with the best of intentions, but it ends up being about them. 
yeah. not the person who's come. And it, it becomes a very kind of, kind of, I don't know, there's just some kind of like, not a stench, it's not a, a, a stench you can smell, but there's kind of like some kind of, I don't know, mugginess surrounding right. it, you know, which is one thing that PTG doesn't have, which is place to grow, which is why I felt like, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not about how good are we, it's all like, yeah, what can we do? Because like, you know, yeah. these people need like, you know, they need some, some help here. Yeah. So, so I'd like to kind of make something that's so fresh and, and but really kind of like, you know, as good as the, oh, the Grand Hyatt or whatever, like a really top line, yeah. you know, uh, hotel, something really speak and, and classy, yeah. but you can use it and respect the, the, the space, of course, but not having kind of like, you know, an old rundown ex elementary school renovated into a charity kind of thing. It'd be yeah. like, you know, a really nice place yeah. that anyone can go that, that's, you know, dealing with this. That's what I'd like to do anyway. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so I'm really passionate about that. Really, um, yeah. Do you have uh, anything you'd like to promote on the show today? I put out a single last year Yeah, called Three Eggs. Yeah, I was listening to it intently today. And <laughs> the idea behind that was it was around the time of all the, the, the riots, race riots last year yeah. in the States. Yeah, I kind of like got really, you know, upset about, well, not upset about that. I just don't like the idea of here we are in the year, well, then, 2020, 2021, yeah. where the color of your skin is still an issue. I just can't work out that mindset at all. The color yeah. of anyone's skin or whatever persuasion they are or whatever nationality they are. Why is that an issue yeah. in this day and age? Anyway, so that kind of just really started to really piss me off. So I wrote a very simple, you know, really, just, it's a very, very simple song, just three and a half minutes long, I think. Yeah. And it's three eggs. You know, three eggs were cracked open. What do they find inside? Yellow yolk, all the same color. Yeah. Three hearts are broken. What do they find? You know, same, same color, color blood. Yeah. Same, you know, three heads were cracked open. Dreams, same dreams, you know? Yeah. So, so that so. was basically the, the, the point of the song. And the the distributor, the label that I got involved with, ah, this is a mess, a complete mess. They promised the world and they did not promote it at all. Oh. And I've, you know, you know, I paid for everything. It's great video, everything, got it all sorted. And they've just been so lazy. Oh. So it's like, it's just like, it just died in, you know, in, in the backside. Damn. But it got some really, the people who I, like journalists, music yep. journalists and so on, publications, and some artists that I respect I sent to, and they were all really, really positive. They're like, this is really good, man. This is really, no, not just saying because it's you, it's really damn good. So I'm going to re-release that this year. Hopefully, at the moment, I'm kind of negotiating with a couple of different uh, people at the moment. Cool, very cool. Hopefully, That's called July, Three August, Eggs. Called Three Eggs. By Stuart O. Yes. And you can get that on Apple, Apple it's Music. It's still on, yeah, it's still on yeah. Apple Music now. That's yeah. where I listen yeah. to it. Cool. There was also a version on YouTube, I think. Yes, I yeah. put another yeah. one up on yeah. YouTube, yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually have a thing that I do uh, often with um, with my fiancé or friends like Dumbfounded Media mm. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, we listen to music and we, we like, we you know, you go, you go to YouTube and you can get all the lyrics yeah. or you can find the lyrics on in some app or whatever, right? And then I'll go in and I'll like try to analyze them, right? Right. And so uh, the first mm -hmm. song I did this was, was with um, Bruce Springsteen's uh, The River, because yes. I was like, what is this song actually about? I fell in love with that song when I was a kid, and I'd be like, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I would like sweat a little bit from my eyeballs when I would listen to this song. <laughs> just a bit of sweat, yeah, you know? <laughs> and one time my mom caught me doing that, and I was singing along to the song, and I was so, anyway. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Mom. I love you, Mary Rose. Um, but yeah, and then so, but then it became a thing. Like last year, we started doing it again. I was like picking up and thinking, what do these songs mean that yeah. gave impact in my life? And and I went through all this Rihanna period, and then I went through the train period with the Tears of Jupiter, for example. Mm. It's one of the songs that just yes. blew my mind away. And I was like, what is this song about? Because it was so hard for me to try and sing along with it because the lyrics were so up and down and, and like the tempo was, and I'm a terrible singer, by the way, but I love singing <laughs> along to songs. And then the funny thing is, you know, on 
on my right side, Senor, we will keep his name out of this. He was also a former in, involved in music, and he thinks that the lyrics to that song are hilarious. <laughs> it's like the best soy latte I've ever had is like, some, this is one of the things he can't stop laughing about. I think it's a brilliant song, though. That's just me, though. Um, but, yeah, I would love to, like, sit down with you. Not today, mm -hmm. and, like, go over lyrics and, like, yes. listen to, you know, music together and, you know, yeah. just, like, like, you know, dissect the lyrics yes. because as a musician, right, you always see it a little bit different from someone who's not a musician. You hear it different. You see it different. I don't know whether that's true. I may, it may be the music behind it. Yeah. yeah. You, maybe you listen to the, the little bass run in the background or the trumpet, yeah. you know, in, in, right at the top corner of the speaker. But I think as far as words are concerned, yeah. no, I think it, it's almost like popular music of any genre from your Bob Dylan's to your Pet Shop Boys to whatever. Each of them are kind of like, it's like, it's like a poem, a yeah. story some kind of experience they've had or a feeling or a thought. Yeah. So I don't actually think that's true. I think anyone mm -hmm. can really appreciate the lyrics, yeah. even if they're not really into music per se. You know? I can't pick out lyrics mostly just by listening to the music. You know, you got those friends, I don't know if you can do this, you got those friends when they hear a song a couple of times and they start singing along and they just remember the lyrics. I was like, <laughs> I have to literally sit and like look at, look at the lyrics like and like really try and sing along or be in a karaoke box for like 50 hours <laughs> to learn one song. But that's what it takes for me. But how do you? Do you like just pick it up? Uh, can pick it up one or two listens usually. Yeah. Oh yeah, my god! Yeah. Okay, well I've been doing that since I've been, <laughs> because I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, man, do you know these words? Oh, how long have I got? Ten minutes. All right. Oh, have a listen to the song. Yeah, yeah. If I've got the lyric sheet, maybe I can. If I know the first word of a line or whatever, I'm, I'm, oh, wow. I'm good. I'm suddenly thrust on stage somewhere. It's like, <gasps> oh, it's kind of well. I feel like kind of like say if I put on a pair of gloves and I start boxing with someone. Yeah. I'll exactly. suss them out pretty fast. <laughs> you could, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's that kind of a thing. It's just yeah, being yeah. used to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On that note, I just want to say thank you for a fantastic time of the day. It was so Likewise, much fun. For me. Thank you so much for I having me. I loved it. I think we're going to have to do another rerun on this because there's so much more to talk about. And speak slower, I think, next time, maybe. No, as well. <laughs> no, I love the tension. That's what it's all about. Cool, cool. Like, because it's inspiring your energy to be in the in a room with you. And Tomo, that's just, he's always like this. <laughs> Sorry, there is no off switch. There it's, it's full on all the time. Um, if you have any message for Tomo, that's out there. Just everybody stay safe, stay well. Uh, I often think, okay, in this world, in this day and age, everybody wants everything now, results now. They want the answers now. But this corona thing is a pandemic. And if we go back 100 years, it took three years for a decent vaccine last time around the Spanish flu. And now our flu is something that just kind of like, we live with it and we mm. don't think twice. And within a year, they've come up with a, a vaccine. It, I'm really hoping it does work. I really, 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 really hope it does work. It may not work. There may be issues with this. We don't know yet. So everybody just sit tight, hold tight, take care of your loved ones, and we're going to get through it. Yes. Sorry, it's kind of like ending on a very dour, serious note. But no, I, really, I like that. I like that. Yeah, you know, I it's mean, really important. speak from the heart. I think it's more important than just like, you know, coming out with something like, yeah, buy my album. Please buy his album, <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah. Come on, Apple Tunes, come on. Please do that, by the way. By the way, uh, we'll hopefully come up with something better next time, yeah. I think. But yeah. Yeah. Tomalashis, thank you guys for watching another show, The Tokyo Talks. I'm really happy that you guys are following along. Just want to say thank you guys for everything. And this was Stuart O. Thank you. And good night. Well, Extreme Tomodachi's welcome to the Extreme Exclusive Footage Just For You with Stuart O! Yes! Extreme! Wow! wow. wow. Mr. Nicholas Pettis!